If you're a senior executive looking to transition to boards, check out our Fast Start Guide to Board Success. In this short guide, we'll answer all of your questions about landing a paid board role and we'll share some of the rookie errors executives make when trying to climb the board ladder. Jump on our website, boardcoachinginstitute.com.au or click on the link in the show notes to access your free copy today. If you're looking for board success, let us show you how. Welcome to Insider Insights, where you get to meet non-executive directors and go inside their boardroom. Today, we're joined by Rob Hale, who will give us his unique perspective of board life and offer up some hints and tips to help you to succeed too. Rob is a non-executive director on the board of Summerlin Credit Union. He's on the University of New England Computer Science Industry Advisory Board, the Consumer Data Standards Advisory Committee, and he also serves on the Regional Members Council for the Australian and New Zealand Chapter of the Financial Data and Technology Association. So join me now and let's hear from our insider, Rob Hale. So Rob, I've been so excited about making this episode. I mean, I get to speak to some fabulous Neds in this podcast, but there is nothing more exciting to me than having a board star on the program. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sally. Great to be here. Now, I am loving your story because there were just so many kind of insights and ahas along the way, and I I just loved watching your transition, so I'm really excited to share this with all of our listeners today. But we've been working together, I want to say, coming up to two years now. Would that be around about right? Yeah, Yeah, I think that's about right. So about two years. And so take us back to when we first met. You had incredibly successful executive career. What were you doing at the time that we started working together? Gosh, yes. That was, feels like a lifetime ago, but that was a couple of years ago. I was chief digital officer at Regional Australia Bank. It's a customer-owned bank. And I observed, I mean, I spent a lot of time engaging with the board of the bank observing what they did and it looked really interesting and I was fortunate that I had a CEO who supported my my curiosity there and and encouraged me to think about a board career so I think that was the catalyst for us to start talking I'd noticed there was a lack of tech and digital skills in many boards that was starting to be talked about more and more cyber and things like that were becoming more talked about and I felt that maybe there's something for me here that I could use that that knowledge that skill that experience I'd gained as an exec at board level so I think that was probably how it all started yeah and I think if we go back that was before the big breaches on the front pages of the AFR right so this was at the time where we all knew that there was a gap at board level for tech expertise but there was no way of really bridging that gap right we're going to talk today about how you've got techs with a certain skill set that doesn't necessarily translate well to the board and what people with tech backgrounds can do in order to tap into their skills and experience so let's go back then to your board break what was the defining 
moment for you as you look back what would you say the big board break was well i mean i'd i'd we traveled a little along the road ourselves and you'd helped me realize that i need to define what it was that i could give what my board value proposition was so i knew i knew i wanted to do something in tech i knew i wanted to add value i knew i wanted to to help translate from that tech world to the business world and form that bridge help people understand how technology can help solve problems and understand the risks associated with that technology. Obviously, that's very important at, at board level and how to manage those risks and not be afraid of technology, not fear technology, view it as an enabler. So I think once I'd worked all that out, and that takes a long time, as, as you know, it took me a long time anyway to work it out. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it sounds easy now, but it wasn't easy. It was really hard, but it was a matter of of working that out, working through it, refining it as I went, and then just waiting, waiting for that moment when I heard about something. And I was fortunate in that I've got a great network of people in business and technology roles and at board level. And and someone mentioned to me that there was this position with a customer and bank, another mutual, that was specifically looking for someone who had technology skills, skills around cyber skills that could help them progress their own strategic agenda, but at board level. So all immediately this felt like this is my moment, this is the opportunity for me. And because I had that, I'd done that thinking, I'd worked through what it was I was looking for. I had a very congruent explanation to make. I could speak very freely and very easily and very comfortably about what, what I could do. But I was also very familiar with that business, with the financial services vertical that, that this was in. So that was really helpful for me, everything aligned. But having said that, it was, despite everything aligning, it was still, I'm sure we'll talk about this, it was very challenging and very, very unnerving and uh, quite confrontational for me to go through that process, despite having all the signals and signs that this was the right thing for me. Yeah, and that's a really important point, right? Because for anybody listening, they're going, okay, so... Rob was in tech and he wanted to get into boards and then he realized that he had value in tech to offer the boards, right? It's kind of like, well, that's so obvious. But the the difficult part of it is how do you add value in that tech space at board level, right? So if we look at, you know, the evolution of the modern day board, in the past, not too long ago, there was no understanding of tech requirements, right? We used to talk about tech in business and we know now that every business is a tech business, right? Whether it's a fintech or a biotech, every business now is a tech business of some kind of thing. Even if that's just managing customer data, that's a tech business. And then we got to the stage where, you know, we knew that the board needed to be asking tech questions, but they didn't really know who to ask or the right questions to ask. We had this big kind of gap. And I think where we are now is that the board are really well versed in their responsibilities. There's a lot of legislation coming in now that makes it really crystal clear what our responsibilities are at board level around tech. And what we have now is this sea of execs who have tech skills vying for these roles. You know, I can help you because I'm in tech. I can help you because I'm in cyber. But it goes much 
deeper than that, right? It's really tapping into who you are, what you value, what you love, what you can bring, what you can do, what you can offer, that potential that you bring to boards. And I, I remember us talking about your purpose and you getting really clear about, you know, put the tech to the side. I'm really here about helping people, right? I'm the voice right. of the customer. And I'm not sure if you were in the the open banking and the data space that you're in now or if that led to this, or you certainly took a deeper dive. But what was that realization for you? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Sally. I, I just love helping people. It's it's uh, I get a kick out of it. It doesn't matter what level in an organization you're at. You can help people in any role and boards being on a board. It's a team sport. We're, we're all helping each other. We're helping each other understand something. One person might have a particular skill set that's more developed in. I mean, I actually joked with my board at the interview, I said, if you're looking for someone to do forensic analysis of a balance sheet, that's not me. <laughs> I can read a balance sheet, I understand it, but I, I'm not that person. And I think that's really important. So uh, that clarity was there from the word go for me. Is these are the things I do. And, and yes, one of the things I, I love doing is helping people. And so if I've got the ability to translate between that business world, the tech world, and, and, and sit in the middle and help people understand help tech people understand that this is the business problem. This is why we need to work on this thing. It's going to be really challenging. But if we do these things and if we do them well, we'll actually solve this problem and we'll help all these people and provide this great solution. And for business people, it's it's similar. Don't worry about event-driven architectures and APIs and integration, all that stuff. Just give us a period of time to do these things and we need to buy these platforms or these products and services so that will enable these things to then happen and that will then help us as an organization to be able to achieve these strategic objectives or goals whatever it might be but sitting in the middle you, i mean i joke about it's the babel fish i have a babel fish in my ear if anyone doesn't know that uh, douglas adams hitchhikers go to the galaxy that translates from one language being spoken externally so that I can then understand what people are saying. So I think of that as I'm lucky I've got, I've got this Babel fish in my ear and I can hear what people are saying. And if I listen carefully and I want to understand what people are saying, I, I can help them and I can translate that into that other world. And I want to really break this down, right? Because I just think this is a massive aha. I know it was for you and I know it's going to be for lots of people listening that value proposition that thing that you have to offer is so critical once you nail that yeah. you know where you're going to add value speaking to that is really easy right being in an interview and explaining this thing that you do and why it adds value is so simple it's not like a grilling right it's like well you know we were yeah. able to do this and we would have an opportunity for that and it just makes people lean in and if we can just dissect your board value proposition for a moment because it's almost like you know there's a venn diagram and it was the sweet spot in the middle of all of these things so first of all we've got the translator so it's not just about being a techie but being able to bring that tech information to life so that you can have informed discussions and decision makings around opportunities around threats around you know like timelines i know one of the problems that we have in technology as an industry is that 
technology is often viewed as a project. Let's just, you know, get this new system in and then we're done. Let's just do that and then we're done. We don't really have that long-term view and it's actually an ongoing expense, right? We stopped spending money on tech. We're dead as a business, right? We're absolutely dead. So we need to stop moving from, you know, project, let's get all the resources around the project plan. Let's understand it. Let's implement it. Let's do it. And lots of things happen in silos, right? But seeing tech across the organization, and that was one of your strengths, the translator, being able to say, okay, yeah, so we need this, but we also need this and we need that and some of this as well. And you could have yeah. these really great conversations where you could take very detailed, complex technical information and present it at a level where, you know, lay people like myself could understand what that meant. So we've got the translator in you. We've obviously got the tech as a passion. I mean, you you live, breathe, sleep tech, right? You're a nerd. That's what you told me. You're a nerd, right? You're yeah. a techie nerd. You've got a real good phrase from nerd. Do you remember that phrase? To nerd. From nerd to nerd. Yeah, that was it. That was it. From nerd to nerd. So you're a nerdy in tech. You're passionate about tech. Yeah. But then you've got the industry where you love to play, which is financial services, right? That's your home, banking, financial data. So you know where home is, but also you know the spin that you want on that. So you wouldn't feel comfortable in an aggressive financial service organization that made money at any cost, right? You're not that person. You realize it was all about helping people. So the NED role that you landed, this Summerlin Credit Union, enabled you to bring all of those things, right? Your ability to translate the opportunities and the threats, the strengths and the weaknesses, your passion for tech, which really takes the effort out of the role. Now, it's not to dismiss how much hard work there is involved in being a Ned, and we'll probably unpack that as we go, but it does make it more enjoyable and less arduous when you're doing what you love. Working in financial services, but at the heart of all of this is helping people, right? Mutual banking is the voice of the beneficiary. That's so true. Yeah, customer banking is a movement. It's all about helping people. It's people before profit. It's all about making profit. Mutual banks, customer-owned institutions, they typically are member-based. And unlike listed banks who have that tension between delivering to the needs of a shareholder and trying to deliver to the needs of a customer and, and trying to constantly wrestling with that, yeah, uh, customer-owned banks, customer-owned institutions, it's, it's all for the customer. So there is never that tension inside those organizations. The question is always, well, will this help? our members will help our customers. So yeah, I, I spent some time working around open data, data sharing that was consented. That's of the consumer data right here in Australia. Something I'm heavily involved with is about enabling the consumer to be in control of their data, to share it with whom they wish for whatever purpose they wish for whatever period of time they wish. And then when any of those things has changed, they're able to control whether that sharing stops. Love it. So that touches on a topic of data ethics and how we behave and how we share in terms of conditions with consumers before they receive a product. There's that very technical moment when if I want that product, 
maybe I'll do more than I should to get that product. If that means ticking the box for terms and conditions, that means accepting something that I wouldn't ordinarily be comfortable with, but I'm, it's the only way I get that end product. Yeah. Then there's an ethical decision-based thing happening there. And we, as business owners, we need to be careful that we're not taking advantage of someone's desire and need for a product or service. And we're, we're behaving ethically and morally and appropriately. Customer-owned institutions value them very highly. I think one of the things, Sally, you mentioned there, which was around if you get those things right, it's not a, a tough grilling in an interview. And in, true story, it was the first time in my whole career that I'd gone to an interview and I, and I was reflecting on it and feeling, I don't feel anxious about this. I don't feel nervous about this. I'm actually feeling really relaxed. And it had never happened before. And I was... I had, you know, two in-person interviews for the board role and I was really, it was like chatting to my friends. I was, I was just really comfortable talking about what their problems and issues were and what their needs were and, and maybe how I could help with that. Yeah. So it's an incredible moment when you get that right. But I think that's authenticity that does that, right? Well, there's clarity. Clarity gives you confidence yeah. and authenticity gives you permission to be yourself. So I think when we're executives trying to land our first board role, we try and mold ourselves to what we think that looks like, right? So they're obviously strategic thinkers and they're obviously governance professionals. And I call it bullshit bingo, right? But we end up with these resumes right. that I am a strategic thinker and blah, 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 blah. Well, so you bloody should be, right? You're on a board, you should be. But who are you really? And I think if you look at the other people that that, board was interviewing at the time they're all coming in saying you know I'm a strategic thinker and I'm passionate about mutual banking and and then you come in and say well you know open banking and, and they're like wait one what that's exciting tell us a bit more about that and you can speak about what you love yeah. and it makes it really comfortable but I want to say you did grapple with that when we identified this as your board value position you did challenge me on it because it was too simple, too easy, too obvious. Yes. Do you want to talk about? Yes. Talk about that. Yeah. Why did you struggle with that? I don't know why I struggled with it, but I did. And I think lots of people do. They, If there's something that you, you're naturally drawn to, that you enjoy doing, that maybe you're quite good at, how on earth can that be? a value to someone else. That's your pencil thing, right? That's just what I do for fun. I can't yeah. possibly make a career out of that, can I? And, and <laughs> yeah. you, I remember you saying, it's the thing you probably don't value the most that you do because you really enjoy it, that perhaps a board is looking for in you. Yeah. And if you can define what that is and then put that out there, if they are open to that and giving you the signals that, no, this is what we want. We want that thing that you do. That what a great combination that is. So, oh, yeah, I struggled to believe that what I could do actually had had that value, that intrinsic value. Yeah. And we use the phrase genius zone, but you're too humble a human being to ever call that genius zone for you, right? But we do. We belittle it. Like everybody can do this or it's so insignificant, it's not relevant. Yeah. And this is how I talk about, you know, getting shoulder tapped if anyone was to ask me do you know anyone that would be good on a board that you know has a passion for 
people and, uh, you know, open data, I'd be going, have you spoken to Rob Howyer? He is the first choice, the only choice, the natural choice, the best choice. And it's how you get shoulder tap, right? I've got no doubt. So you've got this incredible board portfolio ahead of you or any direction you want to go. You might decide now that you want to use these skills in an executive capacity, a consulting capacity, but you know now what know what you're leading with and you know that the value that that has for everybody else. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a real important insight for anybody listening. Let's move on to in your role as a Ned. So been there for six months now. What do you think is the yeah. biggest challenge of being a non-executive director? There are plenty. I think if you're also in an executive role at the same time, that's something particularly in tech again, not, not wanting this to be all about tech, but there's tech's such a fast moving space. I remember the chair saying to me, you know, I want someone who's in a role today in an exec role. It's okay. I know that means you're going to have to balance your availability and we'll have to work around that, but you're going to be at the cold face. You're going to be feeling the same pressures that the management team are feeling. You're going to be un you understand or relate to those, and that will help in your board role. So, technology is moving at such a pace that five years ago we weren't dealing with the same things we're dealing today. So, uh, you know, a, a crusty old board member who used to work in IT a decade ago isn't really going to be of much relevance today in today's digital environment at that level. So, I think that's one of the challenges is to remain relevant. And that typically means staying very actively engaged with technology, particularly in in the realm that you, your board role covers. So that's that's probably one of the biggest ones for me. However, there's a good news story there. I mean, we talked about this earlier, the, the fact that, yes, that, that executive experience and brings value to the board role because you have that, that sensitivity and awareness, empathy for what's going on. But it also works the other way. I've learned so much here about how a board operates that my my understanding of what a board needs from an executive team is now elevated. So if I need to prepare a report for the board, I know what things they're going to worry about. They're going to worry about, about risk and governance and compliance. Are we doing the right thing? Are we drifting away strategically from the direction we wanted? Are we in danger of bumping into some, some headwinds around legislation? legislative obligations so all those things help that conversation both ways i think but it is a, it is a balancing act so that's probably that one of the maybe there are two two big things one of the the major challenges for me another would be switching context between the two because i love the detail i love being involved i think your phrase is you know nose is in heads out and i had to consciously transition when I was about to have a board meeting, if it's in person, it helps because there's typically a transition period where you're driving somewhere or you're flying somewhere. In a physical environment. That's right. So you're physically changing. Yeah. You're, there's a transition yeah. period there. It's really hard in an online world where you're perhaps working remotely as I do in my executive role. And then at a certain time of day, I have to switch get a different laptop out and go and do the board roll for four hours. So that's really challenging. But the physical one's good. And I, I'm lucky in that my board roll is actually about a four hour drive away. 
hey, that's a great opportunity to put some podcasts so I'm just slow down and think about what I'm about to go into, get my head in the zone and, and stop being more, start thinking like a, a board director instead of a reacting corporational issues that you typically do as an executive. So I find that really, really helpful too. Diving into the action plan and the the solutions and right, we'll have one of these and two of those and we'll get that done by Monday. And how do you go with handing over that authority to the CEO? So just, you know, setting the direction or coaching, counseling, and then being hands off. How do you cope with that? Oh, I actually have surprised myself by how much I enjoy it. But it's quite a responsibility. You find yourself thinking really carefully before you say anything. Don't say too much. You know, play a few words, but high value contribution. That's what I'm trying to do. So I found, I mean, again, I'm really fortunate. We have such a great board and such a great management team that I'm working with. So that relationship is very fluid. So if I'm reading the papers over a weekend and I have some questions and comments, Management love the CEO, the chair. They love to share those questions up front. It means there are, there's no awkward moment in the board meeting. Someone's yeah. had the opportunity to prepare themselves and formulate and think about the right response to that. Perhaps there wasn't enough backstory in a, in a paper and they can just provide that context. And then everybody benefits from that. So I think having a really collegiate relationship there, it's not adversarial. Management yeah. board can work together and help each other. So I find it really enjoyable, actually. It's uh, it surprised me how much fun I find board meetings. <laughs> it sounds like a success culture. It's interesting what you said there about, you know, being high value when you speak. One of the things that often comes up with NEDS is when you get the newbie on the board, they want to right. try and assert their knowledge and value by, you know, adding comments to every item on the agenda and, and speaking on every item, but the real value of a Ned is knowing when to speak. Yes, and I've made mistakes. I'm sure I've said too much and I've tried not to. I'm, I'm aware of it and I think that's important. Yeah. And I've got great colleagues who have much more board experience than me, so I, I'm learning from, from their behaviour and how they conduct themselves in that setting. So I, I think it's... You know, we all make mistakes, we're human, and there's nothing terrible about that, but we just need to learn from that and make sure that we're constantly striving to improve and be better at what we do. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is, that's definitely an area where I think really carefully before I say something. Yeah. And having feet in both camps, having that exec role and that Ned role, what do you see the sort of benefits of having both? How does the exec role enhance your role as a NED? How does the NED role enhance your role as an exec? Like what are the benefits for you of doing both? Yeah, I think I think again, we're in this world where the board's accountable, board's responsible for so many things. And in financial services there are a lot of there's a lot of legislation, prudential standards around cyber and information security and risk outsourcing. So knowing you know those intimately as in as a executive because we need to comply with those and we need to make sure that our our processes and systems are appropriate in order to be compliant with those things. But as a board member, you want the evidence of that. You want to know, what are we doing to make sure we're meeting our obligations? Show me the evidence. 
help me understand that we are doing everything we need to to comply with that. So just knowing that there are those two sides and, and we can help each other. So when you're writing a report, put those things in, put the risks in. Don't shy away from highlighting risks, but show how we're addressing them with behavior or controls to a point where we're mitigating them sufficiently for the appetite. And then as a board member, you're seeing things that you can relate to and understand. So I think that's that's been really helpful and really important. I used to be confused by who set the strategy for an organization. I remember saying this to you as an exec or someone in management. I just thought the board did all that because the board endorsed the strategy. So they must set it too, right? They, they must go away on their strategic offsites and do all of that stuff. And I think a lot of people in organizations really just have no idea what boards do. So I think that's an important part of the role is to connect with management, connect with the employees in the organization and help them help them see that you're there to help them, but it's a two-way street. And the more you can tell me about what problems you're having and tell me about what's working really well, and then we can the more we know about each other and the worlds we live in, the more we can, yeah. can help each other. And I remember you saying about how as you develop that director's mindset, as you had a better understanding of what was going on at board level, you were better able to serve the board in your executive role because right. you were able to challenge them respectfully, but be courageous and tell them where things weren't right or what they should be. Right. Yeah, I think it's even today, a lot of people perhaps are fearful of telling the board the truth. And that's that creates so much anxiety because the, the person who's holding something back is, is uncomfortable and you can often see it. Yeah. And then the board get a little bit suspicious because oh, I don't think I'm getting the full story there, <laughs> so I'm going to have to dig a bit. I can smell something. <laughs> yeah, we've got this really awkward thing going on that the trust's being eroded and that, that that's so damaging. So, yeah, I, I really would encourage people to always, I mean, it, we're just dealing with whatever it is. If, if say, there's been a cyber attack and we've got a problem, then let's all share that information so we know what's going on and can deal with it yeah. in the right way, in the best way. So all bringing our strengths to this problem and solving it together. But yes, keeping information from boards, not a good thing. Definitely doesn't end well. So transparency, full disclosure is really important. Yeah, and the board does have a big responsibility in creating that environment, right? That environment of psychological trust and safety. And you just, I don't know if you're aware of how great your questioning is, but you just said there when you ask an executive, you would use phrases like, help me understand. And I think that would just, you know, give the exec permission to really tell you the truth of what's going on. Whereas a question like, you know, please explain why this failed is like more defensive and justifying. And so that language that you use is naturally leading to a really great working environment between your board and exec team. Yes, that is true. And it works both ways as well, I think. Okay, if management is wants you to understand, if they're passionate about that project, that thing they want they want to do, they'll share that with you. And so you can listen when be listening, it's that skill that we, we all yeah. need to work on more. What it what is it behind this? What's driving this? What's motivating you to 
tell me more about where this is coming from and why we should be doing this thing. You know, I'm really interested in you. What's behind this? Tell me more. I think that's something we often don't make enough time for. So maybe there's another thing that I'm enjoying with the board role is I feel, I said earlier about things slow down. I think we create space to have really important conversations about really important things. And that's so important because in an executive role, in a, we're all wrapped up in busyness that we often don't create that space. And, and being, yeah, it's such an important thing to be doing. I love that. And just having the environment as a member of the executive team where you can go in, you can share the successes, you can present on the things that trouble you, that concern you, you can get great guidance and mentoring and it's just such a great two-way street when you have that. And it can only benefit the organization when you've got that really good trust and understanding. And that that willingness for each other to succeed, right? In some businesses, we've seen the exec team sabotage the board. You know, they keep them on a need-to-know basis because there's so much dysfunction in the business. So I love, I love the way that your board is really working hard to create trust to support the exec team to listen and to understand we're coming almost to the end of this episode I just want to ask you what tips what advice do you have for anybody who's listening who's starting out in this journey to the boardroom well gosh I, I don't know that I've been able to get guidance or advice but what's worked for me in hindsight now reflecting on it is is really working out what I do, what I do well, what I get enjoyment from, the sorts of organizations I like to work with, the sorts of causes I like to work on and support. And then write that down, define that, really spend a lot of time thinking about that and then define that. And then just wait, be patient. Keep your ear to the ground, use your networks to find out. But but those opportunities are out there. But but rather than trying to find an opportunity and make it yours, I, I feel like for me, finding the opportunity that fits with me and all my weirdness <laughs> in the right way yeah. has given me the best possible outcome because I'm not changing anyone. I'm just being me and they're just being them and we work together. And it I works. Think if you can be yourself... That's best, best possible outcome. That's absolutely brilliant advice to end this episode on, Rob. Thank you so much for all your insights and guidance. There's some real nuggets in there that listeners are going to absolutely enjoy. Rob, I wish you all the best in your future med career. I hope you come back in a couple of years and tell us what next level looks like because I'm quite certain you're, you're heading there. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Sally. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. You've been listening to Insider Insights with Sally Parrish. Insider Insights is the place to meet non-executive directors and go inside their boardroom to learn from their experience. We hope you've discovered some great learnings today that you can apply to your board role. We look forward to your company on the next episode of Insider Insights. Insider Insights.